No, they know you never talk about your money. Right, so at Liverpool in the 80s, you, you'd no idea. No, no. Well, we, the only idea was that Kenny was on far more than he was. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. GAA Late Night, live every Sunday evening, 8.30 on Twitter Spaces. Follow at Off The Ball. In partnership with Guinness Zero Zero. 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol. More social occasions off the GAA pitch are yours for the taking. This is GAA Late Night um, on Off the Ball. It is brought to you in partnership with Guinness 0.0, 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol. More social occasions off the GAA pitch are yours for the taking. Right, we're here as we are every Sunday night. It's Mick McCarthy here in for Tommy Rooney this week. And uh, we are joined as we were last week and most weeks by Dahi Regan, Michael Quinn Living, and Sarah O'Donovan. Guys, how are you doing? Evening, Mike. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. It was an interesting weekend, guys, and we're going to get into it all. And we want to hear from you as well. If you're a Cavanagh Westmead fan heading back to Co Park on the 9th of July for the Talton Cup final, please do get in contact with us uh, if you're Sligo Ochley, not the greatest day in the world. Um, you might want to talk to us about what you've seen. What about the hurling yesterday? Uh, Wexford and Cork out of the championship. Clare survived, Galway survived. I think survived being the right word for both teams. Uh, we'll get into that lot in the next couple of minutes. Um, and also loads, loads are happening in the Camogie as well. Group 1 uh, weekend in the Camogie Championship. Cork are true. I suppose, unsurprisingly. Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. I thought, you know, start off with, um, as an awfully man, disappointing. Uh, it's been, it was such a, it's been such a good weekend. It started off so brilliantly with the, with the, uh, with the, with the minor hurlers getting into the first All Ireland final since 1989, a, a year you remember well. But, um, just unfortunate, I think, with the injuries and everything today. Michael, are you serious you want me to talk about Offaly football today? After awfully minor hurlers have made an All-Ireland hurling final, coming from where we're coming from, for the first time since 1989, operating out of Christie Ring last year, and you want to talk about your big ball game. I want to talk about I want to talk about everything, Dottie. I want to talk about everything. From an awfully point of view, Michael, from an awfully point of view, it's been the most extraordinary weekend to have met an All-Ireland minor hurling final. It's... Um, that's what everything is about this weekend in Offaly. Listen, well beaten in the football, well done to Westmead, but Offaly, two weeks' time against Tipperary in the minor All-Ireland final, I mean, to, to, to put it or, or to equate it with, you know, I suppose you could be talking about maybe Ross Common winning a minor or getting to a minor football title or, you know, like this, this is huge for us. It's absolutely huge and extraordinary performance. I, I thought Claire's puck out strategy was shocking, Michael. I really thought it was. I thought Offaly broke it down from the, from from goalkeeper to first receiver. Offaly broke it down so many times. I think I think we turned over and got about five points off that. I thought we were far better, far more economical. Did the simple things, a lot of little death flicks, etc. They were absolutely phenomenal. But I, I I thought Claire didn't help her cause whatsoever. But the whole county is on an extraordinary high. Um, on the back of the football last year, I mean, we're minnows in the scheme of things. That's that's a fact. You know, like we overachieved. If you look at the history of the GA, Michael, for a 20-year period from 1980 to 2000, awfully overachieved. We've been back down at the levels that we were at pre-1980. So to be back in an All-Ireland final is, a, is pretty extraordinary. Sorry for being parochial, but... That's what we're here for. Don't worry about it at all. I was, I was 100% going to get to it, Dottie. Uh, but look, yeah, an unbelievable achievement. Uh, it has been an, an, such a great year when you see the crowds back on the pitches after Offaly uh, hurling games as well. Uh, it, it does bring back a lot of memories as well. And I suppose there's not many counties who would bring those kind of crowds and those kind of, uh, that kind of atmosphere and those kind of scenes to what is ultimately under 17 hurling these days. But, uh, it just shows you kind of the, the thirst that must have been there for the last 20 odd years or so as things got went from worse to worse to worse. And these green shoots are almost proven to be a little bit more than green shoots at the moment because it is, it's all positive, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But like since Mike, Mike has gone in, he's put a fantastic committee getting Shane Lowry on board. And I know that Shane Lowry is 
very close to what's happening. I know he takes a really serious interest in what's happening awfully. I know in relation to his own management team, he keeps on top of them to make sure that, that you know, they have a direct involvement with the relevant people with Offaly County Board in relation to where the money is going, the volumes of money, and the regularity with which the money is, is kind of hitting where it should be hitting, etc. Um, I know Mike is doing great work in Tullamore in relation to the signposting um, the advertising of ordinance, like bringing in phenomenal levels of money. Money now is not a problem in Offaly. We can now fund um, kind of enough coaches for a small county we can get quality in we can get numbers of, of coaches in per amount of players that's going to be involved they're going to get a lot of one-to-one -one coaching and after that then it's it's the quality of coaching and then it's getting the kids to buy into it because the plan was 2028 awfully 2028 to see us start to compete at that level so we're way ahead but they're still green shoots but we're well ahead and if you can get a victory I mean, great win for Tip against Galway, mind you, because I think Galway were highly fancied in that. So, um, I mean, if Offaly were to pull off that victory, the lift it gives, Mike, the little things. Every young kid will want to, want to pick up a hurling ball and get out. How we all started. We all, my age group started from Offaly winning in 81. I remember the following day after, you know, out with a hurling ball. And my, my background and family's background was Gaelic football. And I, I had been to see Roscommon in the late 70s, every game that they had played. And uh, like all of a sudden, you dropped everything and you wanted to be part of something that was happening in Offaly. So, yeah, it's just fantastic for the county and for our young children. Busloads and busloads and busloads. I think we must have outnumbered Clare 5 or 10 to 1, Mike. Yeah, I heard that all right on the dice. A lot of Clare people... Uh, not quite bemoaning it. I think people were happy to see it, but there was definitely a sense of I, I heard ten over ten to one in the ground. So we'll never know the exact numbers, but it did seem like an unbelievable offering support. Um, Scotty, we'll we'll come back to uh, we've lost the talk. Sure. Michael, I just want you. I did try and start with the Talton Cup. Um, you were there uh, for off the ball today for both matches. What did you make of it? There's kind of seventeen thousand. I'm seeing some of the moaning on Twitter. Look, I'm the first to kick people out of Co Park. Uh, person uh, for all of the you know the Leinster semi-finals and so on, but surely this idea that we shouldn't have had Talton Cup semi-finals in Crow Park, like that's the whole reason for this tournament and more than any other thing, this is for the players. Did you feel like it? Um, it was an occasion that met expectations. Um, yeah, to to a certain degree, I think. Look, the first game I thought was was really high quality. Uh, Sligo and Cavan, both teams really went at it. It went down to the wire. Um, some great score taking, great turnovers, um, and it felt like a real proper championship match. The second game was probably a little bit different in that Westmead just overpowered awfully, I thought. Um, just too physical around the middle of the field. Kept awfully just couldn't seem to break through the, the Westmead lines, especially in the first half. And then, you know, they just kind of got so far ahead um, that, that it, the game just petered out and, and, it, and it ran out you know, whatever, the 322 to 216 scoreline. Yeah. But the Tanton Cup as a whole, I, look, I thought the day was positive. I thought there was a big crowd from the, the four counties travelled. But look, I I do feel that, you know, it needs it needs Crow Park, maybe not for the semi-finals, but certainly for the final. Um, I think it needs its place in the calendar. But similar kind of to what I would say about the quarterfinals in the, in the Sam Maguire, I do think there's a number of stadiums around the country that could be selected from the outset of a year that will host one of the quarterfinals, similar to what you might see in a Euro, Euro 2020 championship, that everybody knows there's going to be a quarterfinal in Parky Cueve. There might be a quarterfinal in Pierce Park or Pierce Stadium in Galway. There could be one in Semple Stadium. There might be one in, Bre in Breffney Park in Cavan. And everyone knows that from the start of the year, depending on you know who's in the, who's in the match, you know you can organise to, to, to put the, the correct pairing in whatever stadium and then bring everything back to headquarters from semi-final onwards. But look, today, the fo I thought the football was good. Um, pity about just the, the competitiveness of the second match. And I, you know, it being a local derby, you'd expect it to be a little bit closer, but um, just yeah. Westmead just had that little bit too much, I think. Yeah, awful these injuries and the build-up certainly didn't help. And Westmead definitely seems to be fine in form. Like, just uh, just a reminder to everyone, by the way, we will get the callers very shortly. There's a request button, bottom left uh, of your screen. Just hit that. 
uh, make a request and we'll put you on the air uh, if you wanted to talk to the guys about anything um, we'll get to you very shortly Michael just before uh, we do and we check in with, with, with Sarah like you're from you know a county that can be up and down sometimes in, in, in football you know like uh, you, you know you played in all our semi-finals um, but also kind of would be in the Talchon Cup if you, were, if you were playing this year like do you see say for Cavan Westmead like Cavan are a team who were along with yourselves in the All-Ireland semi-final a couple of years ago, and you would have expected them to get to kind of this stage. Like, as you've seen the tournament develop, do you see that benefit of, right, here's something that they can go and win as a national title? And do, especially now with two of the bigger teams in it, who've had success in recent in Cavan's time and kind of medium term in Westmead's time, do you think that this will be... I suppose, the occasion that we all hoped it would be for the kind of lower-ranked teams? I think so. Look, I think there's there's a few things for those teams now, Cavan and Westmead, that have played five or six championship matches, which stands to you massively when you go into the following year. You've kept your team together for probably two months longer than you would have normally. Um, so there's a little bit more cohesion there. There's a huge momentum as well. You know, you've already cemented your place in Sam Maguire next year, and and you've some silverware to show for it as well. Like, look, Cavan, Cavan, like ourselves in twenty in twenty twenty, we're lucky enough to win a provincial final. You know, you look at Westmead; it's two thousand and four since they won a Leinster championship. Like, there isn't that much inter county silverware other than the league that's attainable for a lot of counties, um, and the Talton Cup is for you know the vast majority, the most realistic chance of silverware. Um, I think both of those teams have taken the competition on its merits. I think they've both, you know, bought into it. Cavan yeah. have played some great football along the way. And Westmead, I thought, were brilliant today. You know, they, they really, really put on a show. So if you were starting, if you were sitting down maybe at the start of the Talton Cup and drawing up who you thought was going to get to a final, a lot of people probably would have had the two of those as somewhere close to the best two teams in it. Um and I think they'll match up well against each other in the final. So it should be a good occasion. It should be a good game of football. And most of all, there should be a nice crowd and good atmosphere in Crow Park for a final, which is what the players, I think, deserve. Absolutely. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, we're going to get callers in just a second and see what you guys want us to talk about. But Sarah, before we do, and we'll get into the hurl in more detail in a few minutes. Cork, yesterday, like, it's kind of what you've been saying all year about them, isn't it? Like, I say. Like, the, the talent is there, the chances are there, and yet giving away kind of like soft goals and just leaving it behind them. Like, yeah, look, it really felt to me like you know they gave away or they they gave away three eleven in the first half. They just weren't executing when the chances were opening up in front of them. They allowed Galway to stay in the game. To my mind, Galway are threadbare. I think they have 16, 17 players, whereas Cork had a panel of you know twenty two, twenty three. They took off Lee Han, they took off O'Mahony, they took off Connolly, who were essentially their three best players in the previous two games. They didn't seem to have a plan when it wasn't going to plan. And that's my worry with Cork, you know, as I said all year, just really frustrating to watch. And yesterday, if Clare hadn't done what they had done to Wexford in kept with them, kept with them, and then took over, you probably would have said Cork and Galway game, you know, it was hit for tack, but Cork are as good as Clare and they allowed Galway to win that game. And that's what's going to be so frustrating for everyone who left the ground yesterday is that Cork were the better team. They have the better panel to go into the last four and they didn't deliver again. Yeah. <laughs> that's look, it's kind of been a, it's been running, ringing true for a couple of years now, and there's lots more, lots of conversations are going to be had about Cork. But we'll talk about the other teams as well in a couple of minutes. We have got a caller here, Michael uh, McMullen. You might turn your mic on there, and uh, what do you want to talk to the lads about? No, I think um, just touching on the awfully minor situation, like it just shows you putting somebody like Michael Dagnan as a figurehead in the county, how big a difference it can make, and I think that's a lesson. For a lot of counties, you know, when they're trying to play catch-up, like the strides they've made are amazing. But my my reason for buzzing in is I think all awfully minors and tip minors deserve to be playing an All-Ireland senior someday, in my opinion. And I suppose it's the same in the football whenever it gets going. Um, they're making a case that 
it's 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 not on all in on Sunday now because it's under seventeen as opposed to under eighteen, which I think's a silly decision because in Ulster Derry Miners played before Tyrone in Ulster final day and lost and it wasn't anything to do with the crowd. They just didn't perform. And I just think, you know, from an awfully situation, what better shop window is there for a group of players to go and play on the biggest day of the year? And I just think that it needs to come back. And if the GA are if the GA are putting the reason that it's under seventeen, well then move it back to under eighteen the way it was. I just I feel very strongly in that and I think I think the majority of people are, are, are of the same belief. Scotty, I'll bring you in this in a sec, but just to play devil's advocate quickly, right? Michael Dignan obviously made a similar point yesterday, and I completely understand where he's coming from and the occasion for these players, and that you would have been part of that, you know, in, in, in 89. But, like, what about the idea that all of those Offaly fans who were there and were there for the Leinster final and made such a brilliant occasion of it are not going to be given that opportunity uh, on, a, on the All Ireland Senior Hurling final day because. That is, uh, you know, it's it, it's one of the hardest games to get tickets for of the year. Possibly, possibly the most. Obviously, it is the hardest game to get tickets for of the year. Like, it creates an occasion in itself. Is there anything to be said for that? Um, with respect, Michael, no, I don't agree. Which I, I, I fully uh, devil's advocate. <laughs> I, I fully agree with our caller there. There's two points to make on this. One, for many, many years. When it was minor and under 18, you had 16 and 17-year-olds when there was no age restrictions on it. John Troy, in 1986, when we won our first year, I was involved. When we won our first ever minor All-Ireland title in 1986, John Troy was 15 years of age. He actually won three minor All-Irelands over a four-year period, one of only, I think, three in the history of the game. Um, it's, it's very, very unfair because many guys... Over the, over the decades, have been 16 and 17 years of age playing in Crow Park. I mean, when you look at ticket allocation for All-Ireland Finals with a capacity of 82,000 and what we would get, we'd satisfy the demand. There, there, there's no issue there. There's, there's not an issue there. So there's a couple of decisions that have been made by the GEA which have been absolutely, really mind-boggling. There's that one, and there's the one that guys who are at their age group at 20 years of age who can play under 20 with their county team if they've already played senior. You're, 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 actually, you're punishing the guys that he's played with probably from 14 years up. You're punishing the guy himself. But the minor one, I wasn't really certain what the real reasoning was behind it. And then my understanding was, based on what Michael is saying there as well, is that they didn't want to expose these young fellas to big crowds. But I mean, for a minor All-Ireland final, and I've gone to nearly every All-Ireland final in the last 25 years, for the start of the minor game, you don't have ten to 15,000 people yes. in there. It only starts to build up towards the end. And you can get a crescendo of noise if it's a good game and one of the competing counties has someone involved in the senior, which hopefully in Tipperary won't. So, I mean, I yes. just think it's very, very unfair. And I would agree with our caller there 100%. It's a bugbear that many, many people have. Some of the decisions, you know, we do a lot right in the GEA, but some of the ones we get wrong are really silly ones that we get wrong. And this is one. Mm. I don't see the major pressure in it either. Like, I mean, I'm sure it is in the day, but you're playing all Ireland final, no matter what age you are, there's going to be pressure. I find that when you go in for, and the crowd does get big for the last 10, 15 minutes of the minor game, it's an incredible positive energy around the ground. Yeah. People, people are like really... Just like they're excited about what's to come. They know they're watching kids. They applaud good play. I, there's no negativity. There's no one shouting at them for missing scores or anything. Yeah. You know, Michael, the really interesting thing about it is when you're out there, I mean, the bigger the crowd that's there, you cannot make anything out discerning from a noise point of view, only a constant hum. You're not aware of it. I mean... I've been at games before where I've played back the years where there's been small crowds and if someone wants to abuse you um, as a player, you can hear abuse coming out at you and your parents and everything, you're aware that they're listening to it. But when you're in an atmosphere like that, you're there on the biggest stage, it's the biggest day of your life. For these young kids, it's the biggest day of their life. The bigger the crowd that's there, they don't actually physically hear any comments that's coming out. It's just a hum, a constant hum in your ear, but... You're concentrating so much, so I just don't get it. And I feel sorry for them. I think 
from what I understand this evening, it may, and I'm not certain, I think it may have been fixed for Limerick in a couple of weeks' time, Saturday the 1st of July. Okay, that sounds good. Michael, before we let you go, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about tonight? No, that's that's perfectly fine. Um, but I think it, 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 it probably when you're talking about All-Ireland Finley, a lot of the ticket allocation on the day doesn't go to the competing counties. You know, there's people yeah. in Croke Park that day that have never been another game for the rest of the year, which I think is unfair, but that's for another day. It is indeed. Michael, thanks a million for joining us. Um, if you do want to get involved, uh, like Michael, please hit the request button at the bottom left. There's lots to talk about. I mean, uh, we might just get back to the hurling for a couple of minutes from yesterday. Um, Sarah, uh, you messaged me about five minutes after the Clare match. Uh, I was a little bit on my knees, to be honest, after it, after the drama of it, because Clare did not turn up. But if you're looking at it from Wexford's point of view, as, as well as Clare played for that few minutes, like... Wexford shouldn't have been in touch and they're going to be kicking themselves all, I was going to say all winter, but it's basically the rest of the summer and then all winter. Yeah, look, they, they played a, a game which I hadn't seen played all year because I was at, mostly at the Munster Championship, but obviously Dermot O'Keefe was playing as a sweeper, right? And then you had Shane Reck picking up Kelly. Now, I was watching Shane Reck on Kelly for 50, 55 minutes and it was only when Reck was exhausted and on his knees that Kelly was allowed to have a bit more leeway, right? Dermot O'Keefe was taken off, and I know Tommy Walsh referenced it as well yesterday, as it was a surprise to him when he was marshalling that area so well to remove him then. Um, I, I think, was it that they ran out of steam um, and that those players had to come off? Because it just seemed in that last 10 minutes when Claire really, really, really needed to push on Kelly was able to get on ball and Shane O'Donnell was to get on ball. Now, Shane O'Donnell's murder for carrying ball into contact, right? And it, it all he nearly overcarries it into contact. I don't know if you agree with me, lads. But he's obviously able to get the score away because he, he's so strong. But, you know, they kept in touch. Would it have been a different case if Lee Chin had gotten the penalty when he was pulled down? There, there's an argument to say that they could have, you know, pushed out of sight at that point. Um, would you agree with me that it was a penalty? Or do you think that it was on it was on the edge? I'm just going to declare my bias on that one now for a second, not just in Clare, but that Keen Nolan, who took him down, is a, a Smith O'Brien's man, Killaloo, the same uh, club as me, and he's the first uh, he's the first senior uh, county player we've had since 1978. So uh, <laughs> I don't want to get involved in that one. The only thing I'll say is that, as much as it absolutely was by the rules, have we seen them given? I, I can't remember. Other than the Aidan McCarthy bananas one last year against Hit Michael, um, I just haven't seen it. Well, I'm going to go to Michael Quinlevin here, right? Because Quinlevin obviously yeah. is a very direct running forward, right? You're in Lee's shoes, football or hurling, and you're bearing down on goal, and that's all you can see, and you get pulled down. What do you think the referee owes you? Yeah, it's it's a as a forward. I'd always what I'd always say is if if I'm on the inside and I'm going towards the goal, I have no reason to go down unless I've been taken down. So that that would be kind of my opinion on it. Like, what does the referee owe you, though? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, look, football's a little bit different as well than hurling. I I think he I think he owes you the benefit of the doubt that. You know, you're 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 making your way towards the goal. If you're pulled down, then you deserve whether that's a free or penalty. Um, but I, I like, I thought I was at the game. I was actually at the Clare game. Um, I just couldn't like Clare were so flat, and it's 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 actually something I'd love to bounce off Sarah and Di is like, you know, games in 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 Harlan where or in Camogie where, you know, you just things aren't going right. You know, you just the touch is off. How do you how do you manage to stay in the game in that sense? Because Claire Claire seemed to be just ambling along, and Wexford just didn't put them out of their misery, um, and left them in the game long enough. And I thought Ryan Taylor got one ball on his own forty five, solid at sixty yards up the field, won a free, and suddenly the whole crowd came to life. And then Claire just took off. Um, it was really really impressive to see. I think they'll great take great heart out of it, but it. 
it's 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 a strange one and something I'd love to bounce around with you. Yeah, my, Michael, my take on that is first of all, to me, it's a good question. What Sarah? What does the referee owe? The referee owes protect the player and apply apply the rules. I mean, there's no one disputing he was he was deliberately brought down. If he hadn't have been taken down, had he the momentum to drive forward another two or three steps and get a shot for goals, he had a course. To me, it was a point blank penalty for uh, for Wexford and Lee Chin. I, I, I thought it was no question whatsoever. For me, also, the performance of the weekend was actually clear um, because I, I just thought that was an absolute trap of a game for them. Wexford, for me, from the league early on, were the team that I thought were my real dark horses. And we said it on here uh, a few weeks ago as well. Um, I said, Wexford, for me, were the team that are going to catch somebody. And I really thought that was the game yesterday because Clare had come out of um, an absolute monumental monster final two weeks ago and came out on the wrong end of it. Now, you take the early stages after that game from a management point of view when he has them collectively and his conversation with them about you know, we got to get up and get at this in a couple of weeks' time. The build-up to that monster final and the prep and the mental prep that you guys know would have gone into it to prepare themselves for Limerick, believe they could do it, rightly believe they could do it and very nearly pull it off. And then to have to pick yourself back up again, I thought it was a minefield going in yesterday. Why I think it was the performance of the weekend? Because they hung in by their fingernails. And when they started to sense that this thing could be on, albeit a goalkeeping error. I thought that last 10 minutes for me spoke volumes about Clare. If there was any question mark that these guys are bona fide All-Ireland contenders, to me in 10 minutes they answered it. Because Michael, you're right, they were flat on their feet. And that can happen in great sides before, after a bad defeat a couple of weeks earlier, particularly in football. There's a lots, of, lots of examples of it back the years thrown on three different occasions in the early noughties and they just can't raise themselves and lost games Clare found it hard to raise themselves but when they did they were awesome did serious serious damage and to me sent out a serious warning shot that they're genuine contenders yes guys callers a little bit slow today uh, they must be just enjoying listening to you but uh, do get involved if you want to uh, say anything to the panel or, to, or just make a point in general the request button's on the bottom left uh, just I, look I don't want to dwell on the, the penalty issue Dottie, but like because your point is really well made about you know the, the fight that Claire showed and that comeback and the ability to turn it on which I mean I, I, as, a, as a viewer and as a fan I'm much I think that's impossible because you don't see it on a flat occasions like that teams don't get going with that kind of burst and play at their very best for 10 minutes so it shouldn't be overlooked but was there another kick in them that's the question you know you give I thought they were I thought even in injury time if it went to extra time I thought Claire were goose because you put so much into a comeback like that and I thought that Wexford kind of had the run of them in the last couple of minutes and just couldn't get over the line. If that penalty had gone in, if Wexford had got the lead back somehow, I don't know if Clare could have could have got back. That's why that decision was so big in fairness. Yeah, it was. So it, it it was. If that game had gone to extra time, to be honest, which I would have only seen one winner, I think Clare had found it at that stage. And I think if it's a thing that had gone to extra time, I think they'd have recalibrated really quickly, and they wouldn't have had to point back too far except the previous 10 minutes to see when we open up this is what we could do fresh in the mind to point back to the previous 10 minutes Clare's Wexford were more start stuttered throughout the game very interesting um, to look at the method that, that they went with um, playing the two guys McDonald and Lee Chin and really just going route one on them and it very nearly got them over the line compare that to the amount of times that all four sides coming out um, from the half-back line, crisscrossing ball, how many times were played diagonally um, from the half-back line and, and by, four, by the four teams yesterday, forwards running out 30 yards from goals and the ball's going over the sideline. I thought it was terrible stuff. And if Claire for me, in the last 10 minutes showed something, my God, court people must be really, really peed off over what they were looking at yesterday because I, Sarah made a couple of great points there I think that you know it's really strong panel 
very talented bunch of hurlers. But my God, I thought her hurling was anemic yesterday. I, I, I thought it was shocking at times, the amount of ball that they had. And the aimless playing the balls out over the sideline. I, oh God, I, I Cork must be sick today. Really, yeah, really Dahi, I'll agree with you on that one. And, and my biggest frustration yesterday was uh, the last ten minutes. Cork were conceding the puck out to Galway and lo- allowing them out to the middle of the field, and then basically taking their shot from wherever they wanted in the middle of the field. And spoke to a guy after who was involved with the panel earlier in the year. I won't mention him. Uh, he got dropped early in the year, and I said, you know, I said, does that not frustrate you watching watching this? You're conceding the puck out to Galway. Nobody's pushing up and you're coming to the middle of midfield and then it's open season for Galway to take those 60, 70 yard shots to get scores. And he said, well, late on in the game, that's a frustration. And I was going, God, is that a tactic that Cork actually allow teams to concede the puck out, come through the middle, take a score and go, that's grand, we'll answer that back. Like They're so lazy when it comes to stopping scores you know your defences win games your forwards decide by how much and Cork's Cork are so routine about allowing teams to score and that was evident yesterday yeah you, you know I made this point for the last couple of years about this Cork team very very talented bunch of hurlers if it was a non-contact sport that win this All-Ireland every single year and I don't mean to be derogatory because they are supremely talented speed skill touch the whole thing but they play a brand of hurling that is not suited to win an All-Ireland Finals. They just want to play it on their terms. We'll score more. And I mean, I can never understand why you can see the puck out to a team. If a team wants to play it short, why play on their agenda? You know, stand up, mark the man that you are, and force a goalkeeper to go along. And then congregate as a ball is dropping. Get your nearest three to four guys within 10 yards congregating on the puck out. If you don't have enough belief in your half-back line, to stand up under a puck out and win it and enough guys coming in to pick up the brakes. Yet they just everything just needs to be short. We'll puck it short and we'll play it up. You can have it then and you can play it short. But the problem is when you try to play through the lines five or six times like Cork do, if you get Galway who'll take one short puck out, one hand pass then from the receiver to the next side, and he's not afraid to shoot from eighty or ninety yards, and if you hit a good proportion of them, it makes having numbers back and big numbers back totally redundant because the ball is sailing over your head over the bar and I just thought Cork were so naive after getting themselves back into the championship I thought they were infuriating yesterday Cork were and I thought ultimately for all the possession they deserved nothing better than what they got because they basically just said to Galway here have as many free shots as you can it just poor poor and yes I thought they very easily could have won the game. Like Sarah's talking about the missed chances earlier on, but even, even late on, Galway, Galway couldn't score. Yeah, but like I'm just saying from Galway's point of view then, they go in to like play Limerick the next day and it's like, I don't... I've heard people, heard Anthony Daly talk about how they've been like, the, they were the consistent team in the Leinster Championship up until the final. And I just, it wasn't, that's not the evidence I saw. I don't think I've seen them play well yet. I don't think they played that well against Kilkenny it was a poor game, maybe, in, in Pierce Stadium. They got the job done, fair play. But Kilkenny should have won that game, too. And I thought they were so poor against Wexford. And I didn't see the Dublin game, but I didn't hear great things about it either. You know, and it's just like, where is this off? This, this Galway team's form? But they're in the semi-final. They got the job done yesterday, but they haven't played well. No, I mean, if they play the same type of style that, that, that Cork do, I mean, Galway have gone totally away from a game that served them well for so long. I mean... Connor Whelan yesterday got some extraordinary scores and there was balls played out running away from goals and he, he was heading out by the time he'd won it bet his man which wasn't an easy task actually and got himself in for a shot his angle was so tight yet it was happening for him now you take that against Limerick or one of the Limerick full back line and you ask your talisman to do that on a regular basis like Galway was doing the same thing as well and you look at the All-Ireland champions and they're not doing that. They play a far more direct style. But it's this thing about keep hitting it out to the wings and out to the corners. Patrick Horgan for years was standing in front of goals and, you know, balls were being hit out and he was sprinting 30 yards out. Now, Patrick Horgan was able to pick it and throw it over his shoulder. But not everybody has that ability. Five other forwards don't have that ability. And oh, it's just... 
we're getting so technical with hurling now. You know, that's why I like looking at Limerick. They use their strength. They'll play it in long, but they don't play it out to the corners. They're not afraid to drop it in front of the square, in, in front of Flanagan. Like, there's, there's, there's a proper method to what they do, and they don't waste time. They break tackles and they throw it to the next guy, the support player, at speed. At times yesterday, Galway and Cork were throwing it backwards and sideways, and it was very pedestrianised type of hurling. Hurling's not meant to be pedestrianised. That's Shane Kingston has pace to burn, right? And Shane Kingston, Kingston was going up along the sideline. He was waiting for the Galway man to catch up with him, and then he'd take him on again. Like, I, I, I couldn't believe the amount. Of, and Robbie O'Flynn the same. He was, he was actually going in a sprint. He's going, I'm winning this handy, and then he'd pull up, and the Galway, the Galway cornerback would catch up with him, and then he'd take him on. I, I, th- I thought they were playing a game of chicken yeah. chase. Like, Jack O'Connor was bouncing the ball for no reason when he hadn't even had catches and stuff as well. There was just they were just taking so much out of it. Like it was crazy and and so disappointing because as I said, pace to burn. That Galway th- team is threadbare, and I agree with you, Mick. They they've shown very little this year that merits them being in an All Ireland semi final. And I was looking for reasons for them to be in an All Ireland semi final. You know, because I genuinely do think in terms of their physicality, they're one of the teams that could take Limerick on. But from a hurling point of view, they're too far back. Sarah, what do what do you think this Cork team needs? Like a, from from listening to the two of you there, it's it's certainly not on a hurling level that you know they have all the skill in the world to win an All Ireland. But what's missing? There's an intensity that they just haven't managed to consistently bring to their games. There was a one stage in the first half yesterday. Mark Coleman was beaten, and he left his player go. There was no indication that he was going to track him, and he looked up. Your man popped the ball over the bar and he went, right, Grand, let's reset again. They they need a, a Kilkenny-like you know, intensity to be able to start to compete with Limerick Sinclair based on the evidence of this year. They, they just, they're so, uh, I, I don't even know how, how best to describe the word, but they're so inconsistent when it comes to winning and the ways you need to win on the pitch, like like Michael, like he, in terms of what you did against Cork to win that Munster semi final two years ago, like you were in Cork's faces for sixty minutes, and and then you turned them over. Would that be correct? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was probably something we talked about. Um, but it's in, and it, the reason I probably asked the question, like Kieran Kingston's future is probably a, in a little bit of. Out at the minute is is it a voice external to Cork that they need at the minute? Somebody I'm, comes in with no ties to the to any of the players or the county itself. Yeah, look, look, I I said it on off the ball. I'd love to see Eddie Brennan go in there. Um, I think he's a he's a good he, he he's had good experience outside of his own county in the last number of years. He's been up in Dublin with Kula and obviously in with Leash. I think he'd you know be a great addition to Cork. Uh, Jamie Wall will be a great future Cork manager. Um, that's my personal opinion. Um, and it's, and again, massive experience with the likes of Cian Lynch, with Aaron Gillan. He's had some of the best hurlers through Mary Eye, the likes of Dermot Ryan from Clare. But Jamie's obviously busy right now, so it'll be a couple of years before Jamie will be available um, in terms of uh, his work. But Cork can't afford to bring in an outside manager in my opinion, I don't know if financially they can afford to to bring in an outside manager, and maybe that's the sticking point here. Uh, if there's look, no, no real, uh, no, not much uh, to shout about here for Galway and Cork fans, uh, even though Galway are true. So if yeah, I can see that a lot of your listeners. So if you do want to get involved, just hit that request button. Michael, I was actually going to ask you a very similar question to what you what you asked the guys there because. Like if all the hurling is there, if all the pace is there, and you know, like they're after discovering a nineteen-year-old centre back who looks like he could be there for ten years. There's there's lots of good things about the core team. If it's about coaching and mentality, and maybe a little bit of S and C that needs improving, as as um, Sarah, I remember when you were on with us on the show, uh, Mick Foley mentioned that, that that there was a lack of fitness possibly mm. there and a lack of strength. If that's what it is, Michael, and you've been in teams that have been transformed, is that something that could be done in one year with a new management team? Does it need a little bit more? Now, I know the S&C, we need a little bit of build-up for it, but in terms of your mentality and how you play the game, if all the skills are there and all the talent is there, is this something that Cork could be turned around on? Yeah, it's, it's, it's trying to get that attitude and application right. 
Um, like Sarah referenced the Mark Coleman piece there, just not chasing the man back. Like that's very much down to attitude, application, um, and standards. Like, and it, it, that comes from a management team driving that, pointing out where you can see where people haven't put put in a hundred percent effort. Um, it can definitely be turned around in a year. Um, like the, the the funny thing about Cork, I think, is that they're not actually that far away at all at all. I mean, they played in an All-Ireland final last year and didn't really, you know, turn up, I suppose, would be the word that, that they would they could probably use as well. Um, so it's, you've all the raw materials there to work with. You know, it, it's much more difficult to train a team in, you know, having brilliant wrists and, and, you know, being able to move the ball at pace. Like Cork have all of that in abundance. It's just a case of, you know, the other side of the game that, in 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 fairness, a lot of the Leinster teams are a hell of a lot better at than the Munster teams. Um, the attitude, the application, the chase, and the hunger, um, and and the Cork teams that won All Irelands, you know, in the, in the mid noughties had that in abundance, and and that's what I think they just need to start finding. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Go on, sorry, I, don't. I, I don't know if I'd agree with you. The Leinster teams have more more of it. I think the only one that does, to be fair, is Kilkenny. Um, and like we, we were out for a game of golf this morning. We were just chatting about Kilkenny. Like, Kilkenny aren't what they were, of course, when they won their four in a row and subsequently came back a couple of years later and then won three on the trot again. But my God almighty tonight, every Kilkenny player that goes out, and to me this, this is a key difference between Kilkenny and Cork. Every Kilkenny player is totally avowed in the fundamentals that Brian Cody has brought to the, to, to, to the collective, which is, it's all about battles. You win your battles. And when you're at this level, you still got to battle, Michael. You know that. You've got to win your individual battles. Whereas Cork want to play the ball when they have it and throw it around. And like Sarah said, when the opposition have it, it's nearly like, let them have it and let's, let's have a turkey shoot here. Not, not an ocean, not at this level. You've still got to win battles. Kilkenny will drive into everything. They will hunt you down. They will hook and block. And those basic fundamentals are still at the core of what Cody does. So while they're not as good as they were years ago, they're in an All-Ireland semi-final. And you're kind of going, right, who can stop Limerick? If you look at the four teams, that's there. Now, we're not meaning to be hard on Galway here, but Sarah's right, based on what we've seen so far, Galway will give a good account to themselves, but like it's extraordinarily unlikely they'll beat Kilkenny based on the evidence that they'll beat Limerick, based on the evidence that we've seen today in this year's championship. Then you look at the other side, and I will tell you, Clare and Kilkenny will go to war, and you don't have to worry about that. And you don't have to worry about you know one of them teams not showing up. With Cork, you can never say that. And that, to me, is the biggest disappointment from a Cork point of view. If it goes to a war, will they show up? If it goes to a war, by Christ, you should be there willing willing to do what you have to do. Battle after battle after battle and doing the hard, unseen things, along with the great skill set. And that, to me, is where I don't think that Cork have it. Yeah, and whether it turns around or not, it's going to be a conversation for the winter, I think, and Sarah's point about uh, the new management team, because I think it probably will be a new management team at this stage, is uh, is definitely going to be one to watch. I don't know. Will they accept Eddie Benham down there, Sarah, whether they can afford or not? That's a, a new point. But will will Cork people want an outside manager? It's a, the pride thing, really, isn't it? I think uh, pride comes before a fall, and we've had 18 years <laughs> now without um, a, a title. And as the lad said, you can't you can't coach the kind of skills that those Cork players have and it's attitude and application that has to change and unfortunately I don't think the skill set in Cork is there to provide that attitude and application you know fr- fresh eyes um, fresh voice that's that's what Cork needs and uh, you'd be hoping now uh, I think Frank Murphy was sitting beside Bill Murray yesterday and uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how much say Frank has with Cork anymore but certainly in, in terms of of Cork's administration set up, they shouldn't be afraid to look outside Cork for for new ideas. Um, you look mm-hmm. at you look at um, Michael McShane coming into Tyrone uh, this year to win the Nicky Rackert. Um, you you know you look at Derek Grine with Leash. 
you look at John Munn in Rothley, Tomas O'Shea, Kieran Donaghy up at Armagh. Lads, people people are happy to move and they're happy to contribute. And, you know, pride shouldn't stop Cork from, from looking for that kind of success. It shouldn't. Doesn't, doesn't mean it won't. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, um, just quickly there before we leave there, guys, we've got about uh, 15 minutes left because we're going on time tonight because we all want to go and watch the rest of the golf. So uh, do get involved if you want to get your comments in. There's a lot of people listening, but those people don't seem to want to chat tonight. Uh, they're, they're, they're listening to a great chat here about the, the hurling quarterfinals. We'll touch into Camogie and we'll get back to the past couple before we go. But just uh, one more thing on, on the hurling then. We've talked about Wex, but we've talked about all the teams really. Um, you're saying that Clare will, will give a fight to Kilkenny and you, you can be sure that they'll turn up. Do you think that there's, there was a kind of a, I don't know, a bit of a reckoning? Uh, I, I, they mentioned, Shane O'Donnell mentioned Brian Lowen's halftime speech. Uh, you know, what, what's so sure that Clare won't kind of turn up heavy-legged and a little bit off it again next, in two weeks? No, I don't think so, because now that they've got this win out of their way, it was a qualifier. I mean, emotionally, it's not as draining, but it was a dangerous game. But it was never going to be as emotionally draining as the Munster final for so many reasons. Now, the qualifiers are out of the way. Now we're down to the last four. It's Crow Park. It's All-Ireland semi-final. And I think it's... I, I'd really like to commend Brian Logan for what he's done in Clare, because... All the things we've been speaking about for the last 10 minutes about players at the head of the bunch of people that we're talking about, you've got to have a manager and a management team and a structure in place that players buy into. And Claire clearly have done that. Um, and if he's a very uh, undemonstrative type of an individual on the sideline now and again, we see him. But he clearly leads the same way he did as a player. He clearly commands an incredible respect. Now, not everybody has that ability to command respect. Cody has it. Cody has done it for many, many years and he commands it. He sets the culture and every single player that has come in under Cody's guidance, the first thing they do is to buy into the culture that's there. And if you don't want to buy into the culture, you don't stay. But the culture makes you a better, better player because you have responsibility to yourself, your club, your family, your colleagues, supporters, and what it means to be a Kilkenny hurler. And Logan has got that. He's clearly got it. And he's obviously imbued a belief in these guys that and exhorted them to levels that, with belief and execution, that they're as good as anybody else. Now, lots of people can throw the mantra out as a manager, but it's only the really great ones. I always thought Anthony Daly had it. Um and I thought he showed it with Dublin, and I've always believed if Daly went back to Dublin, literally like a light switch, I think um, I think you'd see him do the trick again. Uh, Eddie Brennan, I remember watching Eddie when he was with Leash, and maybe he cut his, his, his cloth to suit, but he was playing with two and three forwards there, and had a great win against Dublin, I remember a few years ago. I think with Cork, he'd probably be in with a better bunch of players. But if you're going to look at anybody, Anthony Daly, to me, always is someone that I just think players love. And Cody, to me, loves his players, and I think players respect Brian Cody. To have that kind of bond between a manager and players is very unique, and that's why I think Clare won't lack for anything. They'll play in the mould and the mirror image of their manager. Yeah, and it's funny, what I was thinking during the game yesterday as well is that Clare, quite suddenly, and so you're talking about Galway being a bit treadbare, have a strength of depth there that I don't think people will have realised and you look at like the likes of Mark Rogers and Shane Meehan coming back from injury Aidan McCarthy is still you know we think nearly there um, Shanahar coming in getting one that's what I was about to say like Shanahar was the forgotten man really I mean I, I, I was at the Munster final and his name never even came up it was like as if uh, Duggan's got in there now and, and Shanahar is kind of almost forgotten about him he comes in and Changes the game in some ways. Like Claire, I love kind of have... Shanahar. Yeah, I, I, th- I think yeah. he's. I think he's such a bouncy forward. I'd hate to see him coming on when you're on your last legs. You know, <laughs> yeah. ten, 10 minutes to go, and you're fully gassed. And this fella's coming in, bouncing about, looking to get on ball. Like that's what I'm talking about. They have the panel, and actually, unfortunately, Cork had the panel to do it too. But they, yesterday, they just couldn't seem to knit together what they were trying to do. 
So to see Claire be able to do that, you know, hold in and then in the last 10 minutes, unleash hell, you're just going, Cork, would he ever learn, you know? Lastly on the hurling now, but I just asked one more question about Wexford. Davey obviously played a certain way, and Michael, you were at the match, come in on this as well, whichever the three you want to. Um, they play a certain way, and, you know, they've changed manager and are still kind of that way. And look, it caused savage trouble for Clare yesterday. Um, but it, their firepower was just an issue. It's what kept Clare in the game. And you think of the forwards they have from the O'Connors, from Lee Chin, from Conor McDonald. And do they need to play in such a way to be successful because they did it against Kilkenny and again another low scoring game and all the games were like that in Leinster in, in some ways can Wexford go and play a different way and make the most out of these supremely talented players they have or do you think that there's a reason that managers keep doing the same thing Mike what do you think yeah, I, I was actually really interested with the way that they set up with Dermot O'Keefe as a sweeper. You didn't actually, most sweepers I've seen over the years stay somewhere close to the middle. They might break out to the side, whereas Dermot O'Keefe actually stayed on the right-hand side of their defence for the whole game, puck outs the whole lot, and left all the other backs mark on the left-hand side of their man. And that's where what Clare actually ran into massive difficulty with, especially in the first half. He just felt when they, got, when they went six points up, they should have maybe tried to, to go for it, kick for home. And instead, what started to happen was they tried to slow the game down a lot. There was a, at least three or four occasions. A lot of their players went down, took the helmet off. Um, and Colum Lines, Colum Lines wasn't having any of it. He was waving the, the puck out on. And they were actually spending so much time trying to slow the game down. They never kicked for home to, to go and try and win it. Now, obviously, look, the penalty incident is, is separate. But that, at that stage, Clare had already come back. The damage was already done. Um, if they had tried to extend that lead from six points out to nine, maybe the, the Clare kick never comes originally. Um, and, and it's that little bit of killer instinct. Same thing kind of happened against Tip in 2019. Just when they, they had Tip on the ropes and Tip somehow managed to, to get three or four points to drag it back. And it's just that little bit extra. Um, and it could be the fact that because they're playing the extra man back there, when they get in front, they actually drop a little bit deeper and invite a lot of pressure onto themselves. Um, it's it's a balance. Like, look, it's a it's pretty much all the same panel that was there under Davy as well. So trying to get them to change, it's like it, it's it's an iterative process. I'd say they, it takes a, a couple of years before you start to ingrain new ideas. Um, you saw, you know, maybe a little bit of a change in in that they they put McDonald and Chin inside there, um, but look, they're. They're in that next tier below, well, like Limerick, Limerick, I think, and maybe Clare are, are probably closest to Limerick. I think Wexford are well within that tier, just below that. Probably Kilkenny with Clare at that level, um, and, and Wexford are in the group just behind. Um, they certainly have the hurlers there. It's just a case of finding the balance of the way they're playing. I think you're right, Michael. I, I think you make really good points there. I think that's just the level that they're below. And, you know, they're very nearly done for Tipperary in that All-Ireland semi-final. And after the sending off, it was like just a courage of their conviction to go on and stick to the game plan. But they didn't with the extra man. They moved away from what had served them well for 45, 50 minutes, which was overlapping wing-backs. Tip just weren't able to control it whatsoever, weren't able to stick with the pace. And then when, when they led, had the extra man, it was like they just started hitting long ball down in the Mars who mopped everything up. And it was like, again, yesterday was just a courage and her conviction to kick it on when they had it. Now, the goalkeeping error, listen, it, it, was, it was huge in the scheme of things. Three-point turnaround, there's no doubt about it. But, Michael, I think you're right. I think they should have had the courage and her conviction to kick on. And sometimes when you're in a place like Wexford are, it's nearly, you're that close to it. With 10 minutes out, it's a long time to defend the lead, six points. And all of a sudden, once the goal went in, I thought it was a, a level of inevitability about Wexford kicking on and seeing it out at that stage. But I still think Wexford have had a reasonably good year, very, very positive lead campaign, and a lot they can draw on. Um, and he was dedicated to playing more guys up front than Davy than Davy was. And I thought they better played a better brand of hurling. So... They'll be very, very disappointing. It's a hell of a long time to wait until it kicks off again next year to live with that disappointment. Absolutely. Um, before we go, uh, Sarah, there was a Group 1 
uh, week in the Camogie and it's kind of left the, it, it's pretty interesting. So Cork, as we kind of expected, are true. Uh, they've won all their games so far to beat Waterford by six points. Clare and Dublin, Clare's second draw of the uh, championship so far, that was 1-9 apiece. Dublin kind of threw that away by all accounts and uh, Tip beat Wexford then by 15 points to 111. It kind of leaves the, the, the second place so up for grabs in there. Two rounds left, Waterford are on four, Tip are on four, Dublin are on four, Clare on two and Wexford on two. It's actually wide open, isn't it, for uh, for who gets through Wickhorn? Yeah, and and it's a big prize because the whoever gets second plays Antrim. Whoever Antrim, finishes yeah. up in third plays either Kilkenny or Galway. And lads, you know yourselves, Kilkenny and Galway are shooting the lights out on the other side, on the other group at the minute. So next Saturday, it's all to play for. Dublin did uh, throw it away the last day. They were five points up, and Claire Heher, the Claire fullback, came all the way from fullback. And buried the ball. She, I think she travelled ninety yards. <laughs> She's travelled the length of the field um, to bring them back into it. And I suppose there's that little bit of cynicism that you saw in the hurling yesterday wasn't evident uh, in the Dublin half back and full back line yesterday, where they could have clipped her and taken her down, but they didn't. Uh, but look, that's for another day, and they'll learn. So look, it's all to play for next week. Wexford play Dublin. Um, whoever wins qualifies. Basically, uh, Dublin mm-hmm. could still get through if they draw. Uh, Clare are out, uh, Tip and Waterford. So yeah, two places up for grabs and um, ideally from uh, the Dublin point of view and and speaking uh, for my old teammates, I'd love them to get into second because they've probably been the form team behind Cork mm-hmm. in, in that they've been quite consistent but they've just been getting draws instead of uh, going for the juggler and getting, getting the wins because they've been the better teams against Clare and Tip and Waterford. Okay, so we'll see how that goes. Um, as I said, it's un- unsurprising that Cork's out, so all the interest, or that Cork are true, so all the interest uh, below them. Um, Michael, before we go, next weekend is uh, very much a football weekend. Uh, we've the four quarterfinals. Um, how much do you think? Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I suppose that is it Kerry Mayo that stands out for you from all of them. I think I think a lot of people are saying that for from football wise, from football wise that the um, Galway and uh, Armagh game is kind of the one that people are probably most looking forward to, but the intrigue is always going to be there for can Mayo just do the miracle as they see, as they seem to always do in quarterfinals? Yeah, I, look, I, I think it's Armagh and Galway that, that I would be looking forward to most. Look, there's a bit of a novel pairing. Both have probably playing a great brand of football this year. Um, Kerry and Mayo is always a titanic clash um, and people would always look forward to that as well. You'd probably expect Dublin to account for Cork. I think Cork have had a reasonably positive year. They're now up back in an All Ireland quarter final um, for the first year in a while, so they're kind of in bonus territory at the moment, I would say. And and look, going up to Crow Park to play the Dubs is, is always going to be tough. Um, and then Clare and Derry is is maybe the, the the one that could surprise. I think over the weekend. Um, I think Clare will be delighted that they're they're playing against Derry. They'll have played them in Division Two this year. Um, the styles are somewhat similar, and and obviously Clare now have that experience of playing in Crow Park from last weekend. Um, and it'll be interesting to see whether Derry's defensive system works as well in Crow Park because that is the big question: is can they translate that down and really have a go at an All Ireland Championship? Because look, the that side of the draw with Clare, Derry, Cor- uh, Galway, and, and Armagh. All four of those teams would be looking at each other. Four Division Two teams, I think, from this year, um, looking at each other, going, you know, one of us is going to be an All Ireland final. Which one of us is going to be? Absolutely, you're giving Clare a chance. I think so. Yeah, I think they'll take huge heart out of the out of the out of the Derry game, um, and or out of the the Roscommon game from a couple of weeks ago. In, yeah. in fact, the similar. Look, a rising tide. Similar to the hurlers. Yeah, I was just going yeah. to reference it. A rising tide kind of lifts all boats on that front, and and Clare seem to be buoyant at the mid at the minute, um, in both codes, and and it does start to feed through. You know, a lot of those players would be friends with each other from club teams and and bits and pieces, and and it does start to filter through the county. I think there's a huge feeling of goodwill towards Colin Collins, um, but look, Derry are going to bring great colour. There, it's it's a Great to see them back in an All Ireland quarter final because, you know, you saw the the occasion that they brought for an Ulster final. Same same in what uh, Armagh brought again to to Clonus against Donegal last weekend, and it's great to see those teams travelling down. And you'll have two 
bumper crowds on Saturday and Sunday. Um, and hopefully, hopefully some good games to go with it. Great stuff. Yeah, no, it should be some weekend. Uh, is there any chance of a Cork miracle? <laughs> no. Come on, lads. Come on. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> no, I just, just putting you on the record. Uh, <laughs> once again, the most anti-Cork Cork person that we have. <laughs> I really, I look, look, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm, I love me county, but I don't love it that much to make silly <laughs> statements like that. <laughs> Uh, you're dead right, dead right. All this is, uh, is long, yeah. Uh, look, I don't think I don't think many of us hold that too much hope for uh, for Cork in that game, but it should be an unbelievable weekend. Um, Tommy will be back uh, next Sunday night to talk about it all um, with the guys. Quiet night for the callers, but I think it's a good night for the chat. Thanks a million uh, to everyone who's listening, and thanks to to Dottie, to Michael, and to Sarah as well. Um, I'm going off to watch the golf anyway. I don't know about you guys. Uh, Dottie, who's going to win it? I haven't taken my eyes off of Michael. Uh, <laughs> world, world number one. I'm too professional Scotty, for that. Scotty Scheffler. Yeah. But Fitzpatrick is really, really sticking with Scheffler, playing outrageous stuff. Yeah, unbelievable golfer. Yeah, yeah I'm going to turn that on anyway. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah. Cheers. Ah, good evening, guys. Have a good week. Chat Thanks, a million. Thanks a million for listening to GA Late Night. And as I said, you can get this on uh, the podcast feed. Just search uh, GA uh, on OTB and you can get all of our stuff that's been going out over the weekend and of course tomorrow and so on uh, Eddie Brennan is on OTB AM tomorrow so we might put uh, Sarah's assertion of him as the next Cork manager to him uh, I'll get on to lads and make sure they do that um, and again thanks so much for everyone for listening and uh, we'll be back with you next week take care thanks